From Daylight, I'm Kazuki Akiba. I'm Brandon Beiser. And this is Sound Eye Baseball. This is a podcast where you and I find unseen baseball gems by analyzing them alongside different trends, news, and motivation behind many moves around the league today. On today's episode, we have reached the league championship round. So it's time for a divisional round review and a preview of the league championships. Welcome everyone to another episode of Sign Baseball. My name is Brandon Beiser. Kazuki Akiba is here with me. The audio in this episode is going to sound different. We're doing this as quick as we can because we know we have to get this out by Sunday evening. Today is Friday, October 13th. Uh, hi, Kazuki. I know we're in, the, we're in the middle of the afternoon. We put this together as quick as we can to make sure that we have this out in about 48 hours before the Rangers Astros American League Championship Series. I spoiled it for everybody, but you should already know that we're going to get to uh, the championship round. But let's get started. Kazuki, are you ready for a lightning round? Oh, maybe not lightning. Actually, we're going to spend some time on the divisional round series because they're interesting. Uh, and then we'll get to the league championship previews. How are you feeling about this? Disappointing as in uh, very much favored in one way, but disappointed in many ways for many of us. Uh, who, uh, there's a lot of upsets here. Oh yeah. So many upsets. This is, this is, I think that's gotta be the theme of this. Let's start with the first, I would say the big, the, the second biggest upset. I, it's an, it's the biggest upset. No, can't, can't be the Dodgers Diamondbacks series. Is the biggest upset. I can't, I can't even sugarcoat it. Um, Rangers Orioles, Rangers sweep the series three to nil. Uh, the Baltimore Orioles could not win a game at home. And then they go down. We Texas. say that, uh, all of AL East is now has zero wins this year in the postseason. All the of true? The AL American League East, yep. Tampa did not win any yeah. game against the Rangers and same as so the Orioles. 0-7. All 0-7. Straight 0-7 for the American League East. Got the most teams in, but 0-7. Uh, so game one, quick summary on that one. Uh, that was the closest of the games. Uh, Kyle Bradish pitched fairly well. They made him, they, they, they taxed him. Striking out nine and four and two-thirds innings pitch. The Orioles bullpen kept it together. Uh, my stat for this game for pitching was the Rangers struck out 16 times. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kyle Bradish, you know, struck out nine, so that was pretty good. And other than uh, Jacob Webb in the sixth inning where he gave up that stellar shot to Josh Young, I think this was a very uh, well-pitched out game, you know, from the uh, Orioles. Oh, I agree. They, I think this was their best performance as a team uh, on the, for pitching uh, was this game. Um, the, the next one that thing that Kelly came along was the Orioles just, you know, didn't produce the Rangers produced the Orioles did not Orioles went 0 for four running scoring position. Santander kind of led the way getting on base and then scoring and then hitting the home run. So three to, it was a, I think it was a three to two game. So basically this was a fairly routine type of game. Uh, the atmosphere was great, but again, the Orioles couldn't win. So we'll skip ahead to game two. Cause this is where the, I think the wheels started to, quasi quote unquote fall off a little bit for the Orioles. There's one thing the Orioles couldn't do and the Orioles could not let their starting pitching get run quickly. And in games two and game three, that happened. Grayson yeah. Rodriguez got run after 57 pitches of work. Dean Kramer in game three got run after 53 pitches of work. They both threw 37 pitch, 37 strikes. They both got run before two innings. And the Rangers scored nine runs in the first two innings in game two. Mitch Garver had five RBIs in two at-bats across these two innings. This is the one thing you cannot let the Rangers do, and that's run up the scoreboard on you. And then games two and three, they ran up the scoreboard. Now, in game two, the Orioles kept up with them. They kind of came back towards the end of the game. But the only time the Orioles led in this series was after the first inning in game two. And that was the uh, ex-Yankees, uh, Aaron Hicks' two-run uh, single. Uh, right, which gave them lead. Which was a great moment. If you can find the highlight on TV, I encourage you to watch it. We might, we might include it here if we can find it. It's just like it, you could hear every person in Baltimore just cheering as loud as they could. And then, you know, it, it didn't go so high. Uh, Montgomery, again, was spent 88 pitches over four innings pitch, but... The, and the Orioles played only five runs against the Rangers nine. Um, the Orioles bullpen got absolutely waxed in this game. 
I mean, they were thrown to the wolves. Uh, Jack Flaherty was suboptimal. He walked three during his two innings of work. Uh, the Orioles also made a comeback, almost made a comeback late in the game. Henderson and Hicks got home runs, not enough. Um, this was the first game, we'll see this in game two, where the Rangers, you know, oh, that's the second game. In Rangers in game one, Dane Dunning came in, pitched several innings, fine. Game two, Bradford comes in, leads the team in strikeouts in, 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 when pitching for in the, all the pitchers in game two for the Rangers. But they, but the Rangers use this like long release system. It's like, ah, okay, well, we can bring in a long reliever and then stack one, two, three innings, one innings pitch three times and be done with this game. And that's how I think they won this game. So like they got out ahead and they just, you know, unfortunately they coasted, but you kind of could when you're up nine to nothing or nine to two at one point. And they coasted a little too much, but because worlds always came back, but that was how they, they got it way out ahead and let it ride. Uh, my wild statistic for this game, runners in scoring position, Rangers were five for 17. The Orioles were three for 13. Neither team was good in that sense. I mean, it was decent, but, you know, I like a little bit better than, you know, 300, like a, 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 th- a 333 runners in scoring base, runners in scoring position batting. So huh. <laughs> that's my that's my kind of uh, summary on this one. Game three is just like game two. Orioles front pitcher gets rung. Mitch Garver hit goes on his hit parade, uh, getting a second inning double that scored two runs. But the story of this game, we must not be remiss to mention. Nasty Nate Avaldi throws seven innings, five hits, one earned run, seven strikeouts. 77% of his pitches were strikes, which is very high and very good. Um, and then the Rangers offense continues to score the Orioles pitching. That that's kind of the summary we're going to get to. And I, and I, and I, I was encouraged by, you know, a couple of like, you know, very elementary statisticians when it comes to baseball. So I look at batting average in this game, in this series, the yeah, Orioles collective batting average in this series was 243. They had 25 hits on 103 at bats. And most of them were singles, unfortunately. Right. And the Rangers being extra base hits mostly. How did that stack up? The Rangers went 30 for 106, batting 283 in this series. And if there's if, if you remember from our last podcast, the one thing we we consistently told you, do not allow the Rangers to do, and that is to get out of head and get extra base hits. Because they have the arguably the most powerful team left. In, uh, well, the, the, technically the Twins are at this point, but they were, they could capitalize on an inexperienced Orioles team very easily. And, you know, if you throw, if you put, if you tax out the, the bullpen of the Orioles, you're going to run into a problem. And they did that twice. And, you know, uh, I would say this for game three, what was so interesting is like in game one, Brandon Hyde, uh, I mean, it's just the inexperience of the Orioles. Like, Brandon Hyde was able to, like, pull all of his pitchers really quickly and had a really, like, right. did not have a long leash. But for some reason, in game three, in a deer die elimination game, he left Dean Kramer out there in a dead, you know, right. despite him not having his stuff. Right. Dean Kramer was left out. They threw Kyle Gibson, and Kyle Gibson didn't have his stuff. They were just, it was a lot on, you put too much on the players that were not the players that should have been put on. That's what I, I would think about when I talk about the, the series. It's you saw it, you saw the all the weaknesses of the Orioles and all the strengths of the Rangers. It was very uh black and white in this series. And that's how it ended. So the Rangers move on with a sweep. And, and we move on to Houston versus Min, Minnesota. Uh Houston won the series three to one. Uh I mean homecoming for you know Carlos Correa who was their top shortstop. Oh, Carlos Ray was the top shortstop for the World City Series winning team. And this series, he uh, he shined. He and Rice Lewis were the, definitely the top top two players, I would say, for the um for the twins. Uh and game Pablo one. Too. Right. In game one, Houston chased Obear quickly, three innings pitch. And then this, we're gonna see this again, where they paired Penta Maeda with Obear quickly. Uh, and that didn't work. Um, uh, Justin Verlander pitched as expected. Hector Neris was the main issue, giving up the four runs. Final score six to four. 
four runs on 18 pitches, which I think is a horrible stat line. Um, Royce Lewis power stroke continues. So I think that was the story of game one is exposing the, the pitching of the twins and then the Astros showing that they're experienced. Done and done, game over, move on next game. And game two, we love to see it. And that's Pablo Lopez going seven innings, no runs allowed, and striking out seven over 105 pitches compared to Frambler Valdez, who threw 90 pitches over four and a third with three walks and five strikeouts. This is my stat of this game. And I think it was very important to how the Twins won this game. The Twins drew 11 walks across all Astros pitching in game two. They never trailed in this game. They scored six unanswered runs. And that allowed Houston to get a couple of two at the end. But Carlos Correa, Kyle Farmer led the way in this game. Uh, Royce Lewis did not have his best stuff in this game. But we saw why the Twins made it to the playoffs in this game. They could either hit you or be incredibly They made one of the best pitchers in baseball work every count. And I think that's very important as to why this series went to Houston. We went to Minneapolis with a tie. Um, how do you, do you, is that like a, is that something you observe a lot with like teams that win is they draw a lot of walks? Like I thought that was astounding how many walks they drew in this game. No, it's definitely a uh, good teams do get on base. That's why their on base percentage is very high. But I think what Quinn's failed here, and it's, I think it's evident over throughout the series is only one or two guys in this case, I think Carlos Correa is the only one who actually hit in those like runners in scoring position moments. Like he right. had a solo shot, but it's like double um, towards the end where it scored their sixth run really uh, kind of blew the game for them. And, you know, that's how they secured the win was um, Duran closing out to ninth. Yeah. Pretty simple. Go back to game three. Go to game three in Minneapolis uh, at target field. Astros scored four runs before the twins even batted. We're going to talk about this type of environment or type of game setup or game scenario next when we get to the National League. But this is important. The Twins are not a team that's going to, you know, outscore you. At least I don't think they are in the playoffs. Uh, Christian Javier, a gem on the mound, nine strikeouts over five innings pitched. I'm a little concerned, though. He gave up five walks. And we're going to talk. We get to the preview of the championship series. The Astros cannot, cannot walk that many batters in a game against the Rangers because the Rangers can hit them, I think, better than the Astros can. I mean, better than the Twins can. So, a little nervous. Jose Abreu has a multi-home run game that definitely helped pace this game. And the Twins put out O'Baron and Maeda again, a poor outing. Sonny Grander performed middle. It was just a poor pitching performance, an inefficient pitching performance for the Twins in game three. And puts them on the brink to game four. Bryce Lewis hits a power, goes on the power parade. Jose Abreu continues his power parade. Twins bullpen game versus Jose Urquidy. And it was impressive that the Astros had a good plan with starting pitching in the series overall. I mean, even when they when faltered, even when they faltered, they put out Verlander, Valdez, Javier, and Urquidy, all players that had been on the World Series winning team um, or at least in a World Series previously, and they all pitched adequately over I think, I, I, as, as an on, on average. And I think this is where the experience really helps. I mean, if you look at the trend of this entire playoff, is anyone, any team that had a layoff uh, during this time, like got a week off before the start of the postseason, have not performed well, except for the Astros. And it clearly shows the Astros are really battle-tested in our experience, even it was the one week layoff they had because they had a buy, you know, this past yeah. round. Uh, and then we, the again, my stat of the game for this one, and again, it will show you, there's a stat that Peter Gamma has just shared, uh, and I'll say it now, and just remember it, listeners, remember this as you proceed into the next game recaps, and then we go to the, in the previews. According to Peter Gammons and his review of Major League Baseball statistics for the year, the number one and number two teams for least innings pitched by a bullpen were the Houston Astros and the Philadelphia Phillies. 
it doesn't help that they have two of the best bullpens. So you're seeing them, you're seeing some of the best starting rotations and then the best bullpens, and you're seeing those bullpens. And when they come in, they're pitching very well. Stat of the game here, the Astros bullpen faced 13 outs. Eight of those were strikeouts. Ryan Presley struck out the side in the ninth to close out this game. And my goodness, does this remind me of the Mariners series last year? The Mariners could not buy a hit against the Astros in 2022. And, and in game four, in a series clinching game, the Twins could not buy a hit against the Astros when their bullpen came in. And it just shows you how well built this team is. We may have our gripes with them for all their past behaviors, but my goodness, are these players good. And I have a lot of respect for the bullpen of this team uh, right now because that was an absolutely sensational performance. And we're going to talk about the Diamondbacks bullpen and how they absolutely outperformed expectations. But the what, what happened in this series with the Houston bullpen is quite remarkable, especially in game four. Uh, so before we proceed to the National League, Kazuki, uh, any thoughts as we wrap up the American League here? No, it's clearly this whole, um, you know, American League side shows that experience is key and star power also is key in the playoffs, especially those who played in the playoffs. And I think right. that kind of showed a lot of experience. Like Korea really carried it for the Twins here. And then obviously the Astros, they're battle tested already, and their bullpen was, you know, like we mentioned, was uh, Neris, Abreu, and Presley. They really carried it around. And if you go back to the other series, it's Rangers Orioles. Clearly, Kyle Seeger, I mean, not Kyle Seeger, Corey Seeger, and Marcus Simeon is the key, but their like rookies really stepped up. Was Evan oh, Evan Carter, Evan Carter was phenomenal. Evan Carter was great in the series. Um, yeah. The but I will say now we have, I would say the most the most baseball purist matchup of managers, Bruce Bochy against Dusty Baker. Um, those press conferences are going to be phenomenal <laughs> uh, when they get to the next round, but it's two of the best managers of our lifetime against each other. All right, Bruce Bochy has won uh, three rings. so And, and Dusty Baker won has won more recently. So here we go. Uh, and then we let's proceed to the National League. And I will say this. The surprise of the postseason thus far was the way in which the Diamondbacks absolutely dismantled the Los Angeles Dodgers. A full-on sweep, a drubbing, a bullpen that outperformed expectations by a country mile. Um, so let's get into this one. I watched game one thinking Clayton Kershaw is going to mow them down and put them in their place. I was so, mo so much mistaken. I, I can't believe it. The yeah, first inning, the, line, the first crazy. inning of this game, the top of the first was unreal if you are Clayton Kershaw. I mean, he has been poor in postseason performances, but this could possibly be his last post, his last game. Ever. A lot of speculation out there. If this is going to ever, is going to return. He's been one year contracts recently. Will he come back? He's been battling injuries, significant ones recently. And this was a horrible way to go out. Gabriel Moreno, Christian Walker, the top of that order just dismantled him in an inning, thus in a third of an inning, he gave up six earned on 35 pitches, his worst outing of his entire career. They scored, the D-back scored five runs before recording an out. They finished the game winning 11 to two. Uh, the Dodgers around, allowed 11 runs, which was bad. Merrill Kelly had not won against the Dodgers in his entire career and had the parting of the seas to, you know, walk right on through in this game and be comfortable thanks to the first inning and the, how his team played. Um, and that's it. I mean, it's just, I think I'm more disappointed with the Dodgers than I am impressed with the Diamondbacks in this game. And they scored 11 runs. Uh, so that's how I look at game one. Uh, I mean, any, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm impressed with Merrill Kelly. I mean, if going oh, yeah, he, this he, game, yes. Merrill Kelly pitched, pit, 
he he put the haunts behind him in this game. Yeah, Owen 11, 5.490 ERA, 69 strikeouts and 16 appearance. I thought this was like a matchup for the Dodgers for Kershaw to win it, win this game. But oh my, um, the bats didn't even show up in this game either. Like then uh, by the second inning when David Peralta did the whole dance wave thing whenever they get on second base like I thought that was like so cringe and embarrassing because they were down by seven and I know he was trying to rally up his like team but man that looked depressing oh it it, it looked like you know like uh, like it was like sad clown face it was like it was it was bad so we'll move on to game two because lo and behold all the Diamondbacks needed was four runs in this game they scored three in the top of the first and again never trailed Christian Walker, Galma Moreno scoring early for this team. It's, it's wonderful. It's great. We love it. It's fantastic to watch Galma Moreno. For those who don't remember, let's, let's go back to say at in the final game in the game two in Milwaukee against the Brewers in the early inning, was it the second inning? Yeah, the first inning uh, on the backswing Galma Moreno gets smacked with a bat and he looks I believe he was valued for concussion several times and he left the game. There were reports that he would not play in this series against the Dodgers after they won. And he came back. We, we hope as healthy as possible uh, and has and played phenomenally in this series uh, along with Christian Walker as well. Another great game with a Dodger, another great game by a, a Dimebacks pitcher. And that was Zach Gallen. Uh, another game with the Dodgers strength pitcher lasted less than two innings. Uh, Bobby Miller threw 52 pitches in, a, in an inning and two thirds and was got the hook. Um, final score was four to two in this game. Uh, it's just sad. Like I, I'm getting to the point now. I'm sad about the Dodgers more again. Like the sadness is getting very tangible uh, for the Dodgers. Uh, in game three, we continue to see the theme. Kazuki, as you can just surmise, the Diamondbacks never trailed. The, the Diamondbacks hit four home runs in the in an inning. Uh, Perdomo, solo shots too. All Marte, solo. Walker, and Moreno. That is four solo home runs. Again, the two names I want to mention very clearly that played exceptionally well. That's Christian Walker and Gabriel Moreno. They commit. They contributed in all three games. In all three games, the runs, the runs that they contributed, the RBS they contributed, the hits they contributed, defined the game. Uh, Dave Roberts pulled Lance Lynn after he gave up four home runs in the same inning. Um, he only pitched two and two thirds. Your players are putting so much onus on the bullpen again. But they were good in this game. They were shutting them down after, you know, the four home runs. Right. That was the first. And that was, but the Dodgers weakness was their starting pitching and it showed through and through in this game. I mean, it doesn't help. They had three of their rotation decimated by Tommy John surgery and one uh, who was an idiot who we won't talk about. And then you have Clayton Kershaw. Right. And then you have, and then you you put so much onus in the bullpen. The bullpen is great. Like this team got a hundred plus wins because they have a great staff pitching staff up and down, but it it was too much or, and there was too, it was too little, too late a little bit. Even they put too much onus on them. Um, this is the only game where there's a blemish on the Diamondbacks bullpen that gave up a run in this series. Uh, Brandon Fott, I got his name correctly now, P-F-A-A-D-T, I was asked exactly what he's asked to do again. Pitch several innings, don't give up a lot of runs, get out of the game. And he did that again. He had a standing ovation. Oh, he got no, a standing he was, ovation at Chase he was, Field. He was great in that. And uh, we got to talk about the elephant in the room here, uh, who we talked about, who, who we hyped up about in the past uh, episode. Uh, and that's a Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts. Where were they? Stat, stat of the series on this one. This is, I have to thank uh, ESPN's Arda Ocal for putting this in the stats and info group at ESPN on the, le- on the issue, on the edition of baseball tonight that debuted, uh, that premiered after this series, right on the screen. Uh, this Freeman and Betts, the two MVP candidates when it combined one for 21 and drawing three walks in this series. And drove in zero, up zero runs. And uh, we got to talk about Mookie Betts and how he has not contributed to the past three uh, postseason series. Uh, he is batting less than 10, less than, less than 100. Yeah, he's uh, hitting 
three for 36 since 2021 postseason, and he has not had a base hit since the 2021 NLCS against the Braves. Um, that is a horrifying step coming from an MVP. Uh, and we're going to talk about two MVPs in the next round as well, but this is like, uh, just shows that if your elite bats can't even win a game, that's horrible. And we're talking about the Dodgers who won 400 win uh, series omitting the COVID season, 400 win seasons, and they still can't get past the first round outside of uh, beating the Giants in 21. Yeah, this was this was a an exceptionally poor performance by the Los Angeles Dodgers. So the Arizona Diamondbacks. So we have now reached the point in this postseason. The championship series will feature two teams that made it in on the last weekend to the playoffs, um, which is oh. incredible. And uh, can we bring up our good friend uh, Paul Seawald? Oh, he Paul Seawald. He 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 did great. Did good. He did good. He, he did good. Uh, enjoyed the pool, cannonball in the pool in the uh, Chase Field. Yeah, he did. He did. He did good. Paul Seawald did good. So I hope the Mariners. Uh, Mariners fans are cheering for him uh, because he's done great. Uh, he has done exactly what was asked of him by the Diamondbacks. And it's exactly what he was asked of the Mariners uh, as a member of the team. So we'll see what happens. But let's move to the revenge series. Uh, Phillies versus one. the Phillies versus Braves. Um, and I, I want to say this very clearly. This series had everything. I mean, I felt like I was doing a Stefan impression from SNL when I was reading back the, what happened this series. So let's go to game one. Kazuki, what was the one thing we asked the Phillies to do during games one or two? Overall, what was the one thing we asked them to do? You have to win one game. You away. have to win one game away from Citizens Bank Park. And in game one, they won one game away from Citizens Bank Park. And Four it's stolen of, bases by the you know Phillies. What's really funny is the same uh, setup as uh, last year, you know. Exactly. Ranger same Suarez setup. started. Uh, Ranger Suarez started. Ranger Suarez was pulled after three and two thirds despite cruising through the lineup. Um, but Robbie Thompson trusts that bullpen and they did not disappoint. Uh, the four stolen bases, we have one each from Bryson Stott and Bryce Harper, two by Trey Turner. Atlanta's first error off a pickoff move by Spencer Strider, who is still my Cy Young candidate for the National League, uh, which allowed Harper to get to second and then score on a Stott single. Bryce Harper with that home run that was faster than a bullet train out to right field. Uh, the third run was scored on a catcher's interference call, which was just an ugly scene. This was not taken well by the home crowd as I, it's anything called to go against your field, but there was debris and trash thrown in center field and the Braves players were not having it, uh, that her, their fans were act in this manner. He split a great start by Spencer Strider. And he is my bullpen rookie of this, of the second half of the season. That's Orion Kirkering. Everyone, again, I encourage you to find that video of his father watching him pitch in his debut. Orion Kirkering throws strikes. He just throws strikes. And when he doesn't throw strikes, he still pitches quite good. And, oh, and uh, we, we got to talk about this. I mean, I mean, the pitching ninja, if you don't, guys don't follow the pitching ninja, he does a great breakdown of him. But his sweeper has one of the biggest uh, drops you will ever see from a pitcher so far. Right. And Orion Kirk, remember, Orion Kirking is a rookie. This is his first season in Major League Baseball. And he is already making a name for himself for being an elite bullpen talent on a team and, that is in the playoffs. And he was drafted literally last year. And he yeah, came which up is, in September. Right. So go find his bio. He pitched in all the levels of the league, uh, of the system for the Phillies. He made it this year. He, he pitched that incredible first outing. And then he's continued up with his stats and other than a blemish in game two um, or later in the series a little bit, he continues to shine this whole bullpen continues to shine. So let's move to game two and the Braves mounted a comeback in the last three innings, Travis Darno, Austin Riley um, hit two very important two run home runs apiece to give a comeback win for the Braves in Atlanta. Zach Wheeler resembled the late Roy Halladay until the sixth inning where it kind of fell apart for him. But that gives us a split series heading to the bank. And that's all the Phillies needed because in game three, it's like they, it's like they started scoring goals in a soccer game because it was fast and it was furious. It was, I just couldn't believe they did it again. Like they did it again. Uh, I, I guess, uh, Gorza soccer game. Cause I'm thinking of, um, the, um, 
there was a soccer game recently, where I think it was Newcastle United English Premier League. They scored eight goals against Sheffield United. And in this game, it was just a flat out, you know, home run fest. Six home runs, Castellanos with multi-home run game number one, Harper multi-home game number one. Uh, and then Trey Turner, Brandon Marsh, Aaron Noah pitched great, nine Ks in five and two thing, five and two thirds innings pitch. Uh, Snitker didn't pull uh, Elder early enough. Uh, it's kind of, you know, multiplied and the problems a little bit here. Well, so yeah, we go because, to game- uh, like Nola gave up that first run, which gave them the lead. And then obviously Harper being Harper hit that three run shot. I think after that three run shot, he should have been pulled if he were in a do or die situation, but he let him on and they scored six runs that inning was the JT Romuto kind of giving a death blow that inning was that two run double. Yeah. Uh, game four, Castellanos got his second game, the first player in postseason history to ever hit back-to-back home runs. Since game two, he batted over 700 with five runs, four home runs, and a 2,000-plus OPS. Yeah, uh, uh, Brandon, I'm, I'm telling you, he is a man of tragedy. If uh, I think the baseball community knows this, but uh, Nick Castellanos is the guy who hits a home run in the most inappropriate uh, timing ever, uh, starting in 2020 when... There was a Fox uh, broadcaster who was apologizing for what he said. That, uh, I guess, uh, went out over the year that I am deeply ashamed of. Um, if I have hurt anyone out there, I can't tell you how much I say from the bottom of my heart, I'm so very, very sorry. I pride myself and think of myself as a, a man of faith. As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4 nothing ball game. I don't know if I'm going to be putting on this headset again. And he hits a home run. Right. And, then, and then in this game, they were saying, I think there was mentioning a tribute, um, and he hit the home run again. So Nick Castellanos is doing exactly as he does. Uh, in the playoffs, during tragedy of only not a playoff, but during a, when there's tragedy going on, he'll hit home runs for you, right? Uh, and then Robbie Thompson, my father commented on Robbie Thompson's um bullpen management scheme because he brought in Alvarado exactly when he needed Alvarado, he brought in Kimbrell when he needed Kimbrell, and then Strom to close out the game. Um, let's go, there's a certain part of this game that. I was so concerned because you have a rookie center fielder. I think he's a rookie center fielder in yeah, Rojas. Johan Rojas. Yep. Rojas. Kimbrell has the bases loaded in the sixth, in the seventh inning. So let's, let's go through the scenario. He throws a wild pitch. Kevin Pilar is on third and Kevin Pilar doesn't go home. He gets about third of the way there and then stops. And Raul Acuna just looks exasperated at him because he's like, you should have ran. You should have scored. It, but the ball kicked the right way, maybe. And Real Muto got it back and threw it back to Kimbrell. So no run scored. And then later in that at-bat, he hits a deep set, deep fly ball to center field. Now, I'm going to try to do this as best I can on an audio format. The center field wall, left center field wall in Citizens Bank Park has a jut out. It has like a little thing before they get to the garden, before they get to the bullpen. But Johan Rojas is sprinting at full go towards this like jut out. And the ball is going to hit the side that faces the left field, like the, like the, tri- the triangle. It's going to face the left field side. He slows up, sticks his glove out and catches it before he hits the wall and almost and pretty much stops before he bangs into the wall. To watch him and his excitement for how he played that is why I think so many young people are were just love this game. Why fans love this game. He was so excited to catch the ball. And Bryce Harper was absolutely ecstatic at him because obviously Bryce Harper wishes he could play the outfield right now, but he can't. Craig Kimbrell was so grateful. And then Brandon Marsh looked at him like he had just witnessed, you know, the like, you know, some prolific moment and have gratitude because he saved the game. This was a very precarious situation for the Phillies. And Johan Rojas did exactly as he's asked to do, play good defense. And he played good defense. 
and he helped secure the victory. Ranger Suarez pitched a great game here. Um, Spencer Schreier did not have as sharp a game. Suarez pitched 69 pitches in five innings, throwing 48 strikes and did not walk a soul in this game. Both Bill Pench pitched well. Spencer Strider gave up three earned, three earned runs on three home runs in five and two thirds, although he got nine strikeouts. The, the Phillies struck out a ton in this game, um, but this is, this is exactly how the Phillies are going to win. They're going to win at home with an emotional moment uh, and they got it. They got exactly that in this game between with Johan Rojas, incredible defensive play. Uh, and that sealed the series. I mean, and then it's the fact that their superstar bats show up in these games like Bryce Harper. In this uh, particular game, it's Castellanos and the Turner who hit all those home runs, you know? Right, and so it was Castellanos that hit a home run. It was Castellanos, Turner, Castellanos in the home run rally. Um, Austin Riley hit a very important home run to even give the Braves a chance. Uh, but the but the Braves bow out. Uh, as you can mention, one thing we not mentioned in this whole discussion was Matt Olson. Matt Olson did not you know, contribute to the extreme amount that he could have. You know, there was... Uh, I mean, it's um, both, uh, both MVPs, like the Betts Freeman right. for the Dodgers. It's it was like Betts and Freeman, Acuna and Olsen did not drive in any runs. So when your stars don't shine, it gets a little dim for you. Uh, and that's how this series went. So we've gone about 25 to 30 minutes here. So it's time to put a bow on the divisional round. So let's take a short break to recognize our sponsor because coming after the break, we get to preview a very unlikely championship round. Today's episode of Sayonara Baseball is presented by our sponsor, Anchor. Anchor is the platform that helps us create and deliver you this podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Anchor is available at no cost with users and is accessible at home or on the go. To get started with creating your own work on Anchor, remember to visit anchor.fm slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start. Welcome back. We are now here to preview a very unlikely league championship round, and we start deep in the heart of Texas, splitting time between Globe Life Park and Minute Maid Park. And we are seeing the Rangers play the Astros, the teams that fought back and forth for the lead of the AL West this year. Brent, Brendan, for this ALCS, can we just rename it the Houston Invitational? Yeah, it's the it's the Houston Invitational, the Texas Showdown. It's not quite the Red River rivalry. Uh, that's the wrong direction here. But it's the I-35 I mean, game. It's the I-35. I mean, no, no, not the I-35 game. I-35 goes the wrong direction. It's the I-15 game. I don't remember. It's there's there's it's you know it's the Southwest Airlines rivalry almost because you basically have you know if it, it's that that route that hour long route you know, where dozens of flights are thrown every day. So let's talk about this series. Texas Rangers dismantled the Orioles. How they did it? There were the bats were off the charts hot in that series. They need more of that. Um, what do you think? about the pitching of the Rangers that really needs to be on point to win this series? I mean, uh, like I said in all the all the previous round, one is you need Nathan Neovati, Nasty Nate to be on point like he was against the Orioles, and this time against Houston Astros, and he's going to get a lot more uh, turnarounds here. And I think it's the bullpen. Um, their bullpen, it was LeClerc closing out the doors, Chapman, and to an extent, Will Smith, they need to not give up many walks and not give up any base runners and try to get out of the innings as quickly as they can because this Houston offense will not bail you out like the other teams they've faced so far. I think that's correct. I think the other thing is I'm not sure their strategy where they let a starter kind of take out after a couple of, or three or four innings is going to work. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough ask for Dane Dunning or Bradford to do exactly what they did in, in the previous round. So I'm... My concern with them is do not let your bullpen be be the reason why you win. Your bullpen is not as great as the Houston bullpen. Simple fact. Statistically, they are not this good. And so they need to hit, you know, right. like Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, Josh Young, all those guys need to just keep on hitting against this Houston uh, pitching. 
Right. And I think your wild cards are Jonah Heim, Evan Carter. And they need to contribute. Everyone needs to contribute at the plate in this series for the Rangers. Let's go to the Astros. Their keys to win are they've been here before a lot. These, I think I heard seven their seven, seven straight championship series appearances. Um, my big concern with them is can you manufacture runs without relying on the home run? Um, because like I said, you get a home run, it kind of you want to burn, you want to burn the pitching of the Rangers quickly. You want to get get the pitchers out as quick as possible for the Rangers. You want to make them go to their bullpen. And I think to do that, you have to be work deep into counts. You got to put, you got to, you know, get a couple runners on base first and then hit up and then get and then score some runs. So I think that's the way they're going to win this game is, you know, not grind it. You're going to have to grind down the pitching of the Rangers. I'm not really sure how they would do that other than not hitting immediate, like single solo home runs, like get people on base is what I'm I'm trying to say. Um, And then I think the other one is keep the pitch counts low for their pitchers. They put a lot of onus on their starters. Uh, Balance that out. Your bullpen is incredible. If you're an Astros, the bullpen is incredible. Uh, We've heard multiple talk about this with us. You need to make sure their bullpen stays intact. I have a lot of faith in like Christian Javier to start the game and do well. Valdez has a little bit, but they have four stars that can go easy in this series. Verlander, Valdez, Javier, or Kiti. So the question is how long do you need them to go to balance that with the bullpen? Uh, and I think the other key uh, for them is Jordan Alvarez and Jose Altuve. Those two bats need to continue to be hot. Otherwise, I don't think they'll go too far. It's their no. best that's going to lead them to victory here. Right. Um, you can't rely on the bottom of their order. You just can't do that with the Astros. They're a little bit more with the Rangers, but the Astros' bottom of their order is not as is not as prolific as the Rangers. Uh, so I think you have to get your stars to play quite well, as we I've talked about with multiple teams. Those they're there just like you know how the Dodgers and the Braves falter with their stars going to play well. The Astros definitely need Jose Altuve and they definitely need Jordan Alvarez to pitch. I mean, to play as well as they can to win this series. Um, I see this series going not a sweep. We'll go with not a sweep is my prediction here. Um, and I think LB deep uh, six, seven games. Right. I don't know which way it's going to go, but I think it was six, seven games. Uh, so I think we'll see some repeat performances of some pitching in this series. But the more intriguing series and the series that just has all the craziness of baseball and all the beauty of baseball built into it is the Phillies Diamondback series. Uh, this series is sponsored by American Airlines. Uh, that's an aviation joke for my for our AV geek friends. Uh, this is between the two hubs of Phoenix and Philadelphia for these two airlines, for that airline. So let's start with the Diamondbacks. Please, can your bullpen outperform again? Outperform expectations. Just keep doing that. Uh, it's nuts that the bullpen performed as well as they did. Because uh, I don't think you can keep doing what you're doing at the plate. Uh, uh, and maybe you can. But it's just unreal that you never trailed against the best team in the league. In the, uh, no, the best team in your division. You never trailed against the series. I guess you played 16 times. Played the Dodgers. You never trailed in a series of three games against them. Unbelievable. Uh, so the bullpen needs to be great. Um, my other one is do not commit unforced errors. Think of this like tennis. I was like, do not allow the Phillies to get people on base when they shouldn't be. Do not throw wild pitches. Do not you know, get a pass ball. Just play a straight up game. Because if you keep the ball in front of you and you, to quote our friend Stephanie, respect 90, you're gonna, you're gonna do a much better job in this game. Because otherwise, you're gonna be in a lot of trouble. Because that's how the Phillies are going to beat you. The Phillies will take a small crack in the door and will open it wide open. Um, from the from the hitting side, Christian Walker and Galvin Moreno, can they keep getting home runs and generating runs every game? I don't know, but they probably could. Um, so that's kind of do it. And they ha- they are not a home run hitting team. Is how well can they manufacture runs using small ball tactics? Uh, what? What else do you have to add on this one? It's just fun to see such a young team here. Honestly, that's what I think about. I, see, I look at the Diamondbacks. I would say it's two factors for me for the Diamondbacks. One is here. One, two was uh, Merle Kelly and Zach Gallen. 
they need to be on point if they want to go deep. Uh, two is their running game with Alec T- Thomas and uh, Corbin Carroll. I, they need to get on base and run a lot. I think if he could be as a wild card as possible, uh, this should be an interesting series for them and backs. Yeah, I didn't think about that. They just they have they are probably a faster on the on base faster team on the bases than a lot of other teams. I mean, Trey Turner is a great base runner, but Corbin Carroll and Alec Thomas are definitely contributors to that. So again, don't get in a situation where you're going to get caught stealing. If you're going to steal, make sure it's a good opportunity uh, for the Dimebacks. But the Phillies, uh, again, number one for the Phillies, win a game in Arizona. Please win a game in Arizona because you know you're probably going to win two games when you come back home. Actually, they have a home field advantage this time because... Oh, so it's, it's, it's two in Philadelphia, three two in, in, Arizona, in Phoenix, and then we go back. Yep. Okay, so Phillies need to win two games. Need, need to win... I think they need to win all their home games. Flip the advice then. The, the, the keys to win this, this thing is win at home because the Diamondbacks went into Los Angeles and absolutely crushed the Los Angeles Dodgers. They went to a walk. They've won all their games on... They won four games on the road. They haven't lost yet. Um, in this uh, in this postseason. So make sure you do that. Uh, your starting pitching needs to have needs to be better and go deeper than Dimebacks. Because your starting pitching is very good. Dimeback pitching is very good. But starting pitching, you have Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, and Ranger Suarez. Like you got the one more. I mean, they have Brandon fought from the for the Diamondbacks, but Ranger Suarez is your, you know, is a gem of your staff. He's quite good. Keep him pitching well. I mean, I haven't seen Michael Lorenzen pitch, which is surprising. No, uh, he pitched one inning in that He pitched one inning, but he pitched in relief. Uh, but the bullpen of the, um, the Phillies is phenomenal. Like I said, that, them and the Astros pitched the least amount of bullpen innings throughout the season, but also the two best bullpens. So I think, as you can do. So the flip of that is if your bullpen is very good, put as much pressure as you can on the Diamondbacks bullpen. So getting their stars out of the game early. So getting Zach Gallon, getting Merrill Kelly out of that game, which before like the fifth inning. So they don't, so they can, you know, put the onus on the bullpen because that'll be, that's going to hurt them. I think that will hurt the Diamondbacks more than keeping those two all-star level pitchers in the game. Uh, my last uh, strength to talk about our last warning to Phillies. Don't strike out so much. I mean, you've got a lot of players like to strike out a lot. Don't strike out a lot. You are an all or nothing team. You hit nine home runs in two games uh, at home last se- last series. Just don't live on that mentality and think it's going to be, it's a, it's going to be there all the time. You cannot be an all-or-nothing team in the playoffs because the Diamondbacks have beaten an all-or-nothing team. They beat the they beat the Brewers and they beat the Dodgers and they didn't have to hit a ton of home runs to do it. Granted, they did in Game Three, but they didn't have to hit a ton of runs to do it. They managed it off doubles, singles with multiple people on base. I mean, that's how that's how they will beat you. So. Don't live in the opposite world where you're going to hitting home. Where you, if I don't hit a home run, they, I'm not going to you know manufacture runs. So I think that's my warning to the Phillies. Um, do you have anything to add on the Phillies side? For this I one, I mean, obviously you need your uh, ace one one A one B to perform, which is the Wheeler and Nola. Uh, two is. Uh, Obviously, they they need to keep uh, getting Harper, Turner, and Cassianos going, but they need uh, Schwarber to contribute this time because Kyle Schwarber didn't do much in this series, so he needs to hit. Uh, three is Tomper needs to do what Tomper does best, good bullpen management, pull when the guys are done, and I think he has a pretty good heartbeat in that. And then obviously, the key, I think the key for me out of everything is defense. Their de- outfield defense has been stellar. Sure. Trey Turner needs to stop bobbling on a lot of those ground, ground balls. And then make sure like he's throwing the ball well because he costs team two because of his errors. Obviously, we want him to hit and steal bases, but his, he needs to get his fundamentals better as well. Yeah, I think defense is going to be a very important factor in this series because you're dealing with a lot of, you know, fast players. Uh, you're dealing with a lot of players who can put the ball in play. Um, 
And as we saw in the Phillies Braves series, a wild pitch or a pass ball could have cost them the game, but it didn't. Uh, and then Johan Rojas with an absolutely sensational grab at center field to stop the bleeding on a bases loaded uh, and the inning with bases loaded. Uh, that's it. I see this series. I, I see this series potentially going uh, five, I think six games. Um, again, do not know which way it's going to go. But if we're starting in Philadelphia on a Monday night, I feel a little chilly on Monday night. Um, uh, quick little run back this one. Weather is a factor in this series because Philadelphia is the only stadium left of the four that is permanently outdoors. Um, Rangers Astros can be played entirely climate controlled. Diamondbacks have a, have a roof. The Phillies do not. Um, I do not have the weather report for Philadelphia right now, but I know this weekend on the, in the mid Atlantic, it's going to start getting pretty chilly and wet. So if that carries over to Monday night, um, that could be a problem uh, because a cold series, I'm not sure who a colder game environment benefits. Actually, but we like to have a weather report. So uh, they're starting Sunday, right? Yeah, in, uh, in LCS. I think LCS actually starts Monday. All right, it's cloudy, but uh, it's like 59 degrees high with 46 degrees low. It's in the high 40s, low 60s uh, for the most of the week. Okay, so re- seasonal temperatures. Uh, but again, when you go to Arizona, it's climate controlled. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but that's our preview of the championship series. Uh, we're going to close out the show. Thank you all so much for bearing with us. Deal with all the LinkedIn audio issues and video issues. Uh, we have now confirmed that it is now a multiple, multi-prong issue with LinkedIn. Uh, so we probably are going to have to, you know... Uh, retire a little bit of our LinkedIn live uh, stuff and potentially move that to another platform in the future. Uh, but for now, stick to the audio stuff. Make sure you're subscribed. Follow us on LinkedIn because we like to promote our stuff on LinkedIn uh, going forward. Again, shout out to Cowboy Bob, our friends in regular Virginia, uh, all the pets, Winnie, Bandit, Gatsby, and everyone else. Um, our plan, again, is to con- is to be back with you after both these series over before the champ- before the World Series begins. Uh, make sure you subscribe, rate, do, do the trifecta, like, subscribe, rate, review. That's, a, that's actually four things. Apologize. Uh, before uh, the end of the season. And until then, we hope to see you on the field again quite soon and enjoy the sports. Hockey is back. Basketball will be back soon. Uh, so enjoy and make sure to tune in for the championship series. That's it for this episode of Center Baseball. This episode of Center Baseball is hosted and produced by me, Kazuki Akiba and Brandon Beiser. This episode was edited by Kazuki Akiba with additional research by Brandon Beiser. Our theme song is by Kay Margus. Center Baseball is a production of Daylight and Media 3 Limited. We'll be back with another episode. If you like this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast as more people will know about this show. Go to daylightinteractive.com to see some exclusive updates and more about our upcoming shows. I'm Kazuki Akiba. And I'm Brandon Beiser. And this has been Sound Art Baseball.